Hey everybody, I'm excited um, about this next conversation. It challenged me and it was great and I honestly can say I learned a lot. And that's one of the important things that I love about doing a podcast, that if you open up your mind and you listen to conversation, you listen to feedback, you even listen to correction, well, you might come out on the other side of that podcast a better person. So sit back and enjoy the conversation that I got to have with TJ Austin um, about his book, Banned from the Women's Conference. And after listening, make sure you check the show notes because there is going to be some great contact information for him and all the things that he has available. Hey, everybody. It's Sinitra, and you're listening to Gen X Women, Building Confidence and Pimp Slapping Self-Doubt. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. I think you're going to have so I do hope that you um, grab a pen and paper so that you can take some notes, write some stuff down. You can give uh, comments at the end. But what this conversation will be about today is I came across a great book that I, the title caught me. The title is Banned from the Women's Conference. So what you don't know about me, because <laughs> I, why would I even bring this up? is that I really don't go to too many women's conferences. Um, I don't know. They're just not my speed. So I saw the title of the book and I was like, oh, this is about me. And then I read the book and it's still about me. <laughs> but it's not about what I thought it would be about. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I reached out to the author. His name is TJ Austin. Um, I briefly had the pleasure of interviewing him before when he was on a panel for Say Productions, um, my brother's keeper. And I asked if I could interview him about his book and he agreed. So without further ado, I would like to introduce TJ Austin. Hello everybody. How is everybody doing today or tonight or whenever you hearing this? How's everybody doing? <laughs> We're going to believe they're doing wonderful because they, they, yeah, they're good. They're going to be doing great because they're about to get some great information. Um, TJ, before I go into the book, I, I told you, I, I love, I love the Renaissance man that you are. Um, you do so many things. And a lot of the people who I spoke with after they heard the show, they were like, what a cool guy. And I was like, it really is. Um, so if you don't mind, can you give the people a little bit of background about you? Okay, well, I am a man of many hats. So uh, as we're talking today, I am a two-time published author. I'm also the owner and operator of Two Miracles Entertainment, which is a entertainment service that provides everything from DJ services to photography, videography, sound, engineering, recording, and a host of many other things. I am a gospel artist, Christian hip-hop artist, uh, a little pat on my back. Uh, I am the two-time Queen City Award Best Male Gospel Artist of the Year of 2019 and this past year, 2022. Uh, I am also the pastor of Abundant Life Ministries in Bessemer City, North Carolina, and I'm sure I'm leaving out some stuff but there's so many things that I'm a part of and I do. And I'm also always in the community, love community work, love young people, love men, love women, love just, you know, getting out here and doing whatever I possibly can, whatever the Lord allows me to do to make our communities great. So I'm sure I'm leaving out some stuff, but I do a whole lot. Yes. And it's so weird because the one thought I had in this, in this world of I'm too busy and there's not enough time, how do you find time to do all of these? How do you do all these things? Well, I believe if you can do it, you should do it. Um, I never want to be that person to say, man, you know, when I was 20, I was this, this, that, nothing. You know, I could have been or I should have been. I, nah, just, you know, if, if I can do it, I'm going to go ahead and do it. If, it. if it's only five minutes out of the day, 10 minutes here, 30 minutes here. It may take me a while to get whatever the project is done, but you know, if, if I got some kind of time, just a little bit of time, I want to put that effort, that energy into something positive. I love that. Um, 
I do because I think one of the things as we our dreams and goals sometimes become so overwhelming that they only become ideas in your head mm-hmm. because you get so intimidated by the time constraints. But if you can make peace with the time that you have on earth um, and take a little bit here, do a little bit there and just be a blessing. It's almost, I have to believe that you, you feel like you're fulfilling a purpose. Does that sound right? Absolutely. You know, um, you just can do, you can only do what you can do. You know, God gonna take care of the rest. You know, the scripture says, you know, uh, he'll multiply. You just got to plant the seed, do what you got to do. He going to provide the water. He going to multiply. You just got to do what you're able to do and he'll take care of the rest. See, and I agree. So I got to work on that. Um, Cause yeah, I get, I get overwhelmed and I'm learning that he really does take over the rest, whether I worry about it, and how it's gonna get done? If he wants mm-hmm. it done, God'll it'll be done. So, yay! Absolutely. So I got to read your great book, and I was saying in the introduction that um, I don't go to many. I've probably gone to maybe two women's conferences um, because I just it's it's a large crowd and always intimidated by what the conversation might be. And mm-hmm. how long the conversation might be, but yeah. I would go if it had some of this stuff in there. <laughs> this stuff that's in your book. Um, I will tell you because you said now have you you've not been to women's conferences? Is that correct? You know what? Writing the book, I had not. So that was kind of like okay. one of my little my little things I was throwing out. That like, don't nobody never invite me. Y'all don't want me to come speak. You don't want me to sit in. You just. You're just selfish. You don't want the men to be a part of it. And I was just talking all kind of trash. And since writing the book, I've actually been to three conferences. So I had the opportunity <laughs> to be a part. So I might open my mouth too fast. But. <laughs> yeah, because now you're going to get invitations all the time. Every time they read this book, we'll be like, well, we'll invite them. <laughs> right. Did you enjoy yourself? I really did. I really did because... um you know, I was a little jealous prior to because I was like, man, women, y'all be going to a conference every week. Y'all got brunches, lunches, oh, yeah. dinners, you know, y'all got tea parties, y'all got all <laughs> kind of stuff. And I was just like, like the men, we are slacking. Like we every now and then we get together and watch a game. That's it. Like, can we do what the women do? Cause y'all come back crying and, and fulfilled and you got the Holy Ghost and just all kind of stuff. You've been reborn and, and rebirthed and it's a new you. And I just I just felt left out, you know. I'm jealous <laughs> a little bit. Well, now you got to participate in that goodness. Um, it's funny. I say I feel in- intimidated because I've, I've only gone to really large ones, and there's usually thousands of people there, and I'm just overwhelmed. Um, but I have done smaller women's groups, and like you said, I love those. Um, I do come out filled up, <laughs> filled right. up because if one we eat good food. At the women's mm-hmm. conference, you got to show out and show off. So we eat well. Um, and oftentimes they renew my relationship with not just God, but they renew it with with sisterhood. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big supporter of, of sisterhood, of friendship, of fellowship. I believe that that really fills us when we can come together and, and laugh and cry and share our issues. So now what I do want you to do is ban from the women's conference, go back to when you had never been invited, wipe all of that good food and the decor. Cause I know the decor was tough. Cause that's how I went to do it. Mm-hmm. Wipe all that out of your mind. Um, what was this? What motivated this book besides the lack of an invite? Uh, it, it was kind of like a joke starting out. So like I said, I was kind of joking with several uh, women sisters that I know and just like, man, y'all don't never invite me. Like, I can come in. I can do something. Like, I can work the camera. I can do something. I just want to be here. I just need to be in the room. Y'all have such a good time. And, you know, I only get to see the after effect. I see y'all when y'all come back from the women's conference. Everybody's <laughs> glowing. I, I just feel left out. So, like, I just really want to be in the room. That's all I really want to do. And so, you know, I'm a church boy. I grew up church. Grandmama, you know, old school. They drug you to church. Like, you didn't really have a say-so. You're just going. And so uh, growing up in church into adulthood, 
uh, experiencing conferences in general, you know, uh, anybody that knows me know I talk tough about the church. You know, it was not in a disrespectful manner. I just challenged a lot of our traditions that we've set in without question. And so I question a lot of stuff. And so I, I ask questions like, like, hey, we're having all these conferences and all these meetings and all these wonderful things, but we got like an itinerary that never changes. So, you know, if you've ever been to a uh, bigger, like you said, a bigger church conferences, you got, you got three main things you're going to talk about. You're going to talk about the gifts of the spirit. Mm-hmm. You're going to talk about finance. Yes. And then you're going to talk about relationships, whether you're married, single, divorce somewhere in there relationships something in relationship those are the three main topics and i'm like that's cool but what about these other 50 million things we never touch on so and you know banned from the women's conference you know uh, a lot of people really don't know what you're getting into until you get into the book it's not so much about me being banned from the conference but it's more so about a lot of the things that are left out of the conferences. So I had to do some research. You know, I had to ask some questions because, you know, like I said, at this time I hadn't been invited yet. So I had to do a lot of questioning. <laughs> like, what y'all talk about? What do y'all what do y'all get into? What is the prayer like? And, you know, everybody got a dress code and y'all get your nice heels on, but what's really going on? And so uh, the challenge for me was to also challenge the women, like from the outside looking in. Like, you know, as a man, you know, these are some of the things we notice about women. And are you guys talking about these things? Mm-hmm. In your research, what was the most shocking thing that you got to hear or that really sort of like, yes, I su- I really need to write this book because. I would say the most shocking thing for me was that a lot of women what I thought, like say the sisterhood of women, like women are more outspoken than men. And so mm-hmm. I was really shocked that women would say like, hey, these are some of the subjects we need, but we shy away from them. Like as a group, as a whole, we shy away from certain things because they're just too painful to put your business out there. Like you say, in this group, sometimes thousands of women you never even met before. You know, like some of these things are just, it's just too much. Smaller group, maybe. Somebody I'm familiar with, maybe. But you put me on a stage and say, hey, talk about being molested in your childhood. No, sis, I ain't ready for that. You know, hey, jump out here and tell everybody about your domestic violence situation. No, not not quite ready for that just yet. And so the topics are there, but a lot of women that I talked to said, you know, hey, we don't get deep enough to be delivered from it. You know, you touch on it, you trigger the emotion. I know there's more there. I know there's some things I need to get out of me. I know there's some thing God wants to work through me and in me. And, and he wants to take some of this stuff away and we just scratching the surface, but it's not enough for me to be delivered. It's not enough for me to come back next year and say, hey, I'm totally healed. It's just not there. I think that's so powerful. I love one, the topics that you gave that were the regular topics, the finance, the relationship. Mine was thinking serve and how to serve or be of service. Um, And I can't remember the other, the main one, the first one you said. Because Uh, the finance relationships and, and gifts of the spirit. And gifts of the spirit. Which I guess leads to the service part. Okay. Because <laughs> I was like, I, my gift is service. So I was like, why am I thinking service? Um, but you are so right um, in that those are the common conversations. The theme might change. Uh, it might be called, um, I don't know, like you said, new you. And you know, new you. But that theme is going to be that old theme based on those four things. Right. Did anybody say why they thought that was? No one really had a just a concrete answer. Um, if I had to take an educated guess, you know, it's, it's difficult for people who haven't experienced certain things to really dig into certain things. 
So we may have a, a dynamic leader uh, for a conference, uh, a speaker, keynote speaker or minister who is great at ushering in the spirit. Uh, we have a great songstress uh, soloist who can come in and sing. And, and you know, like grandma just say, sing us under the benches. Perfect. So you were saying singing under the benches um, as far as the person who can bring in the spirit. Yes, yes, yes. So that's, that's old school. Grandma would say, you know, sing somebody under the benches. But, uh, you know, certain speakers or ministers, people who uh, are known, you know, for certain gifts and they are on TV, they're on the radio, all these different places, but they can only give, you know, what God gave them know uh, what their testimony is or what their experiences are you know so we have thousands of women here at a, at a conference and maybe only a few hundred get what they need that particular speaker you know so what about everyone else right it's almost like something that you have to continue after the conference um, absolutely so now i want to go into your book banned from the women's conference um some of the topics that are on the are uh, being hurt, correction, relationships, advice, and faith. Um, which one stood out to you when you were doing this? Because the uh, I love basically all of them. <laughs> it was hard to say what stood out. I wrote down a few, but to me, hurt was the biggest one. Um, I think everyone, if you've been in church long enough, you experienced church hurt at some point. I think, I think everybody's had their share of church hurt was some, something somewhere. And we know that women are emotionally available. No men, we the ones had a problem with emotions. We have a hard time getting in our feelings, sharing our feelings. Uh, women just kind of jump right in. And so with the servant's heart, you know, a lot of times women jump right in head first and they want to serve. They want to do, they want to, you know, be a part. And I've heard it time and time again, you know, I gave my all, I was all in, there was nothing I wouldn't do. And something happened that just broke my spirit. Some happened that just, you know, made me not want to deal with people I didn't want to do church at all. I didn't want to go to another church. I didn't want another leadership. I don't trust people. You know, I don't trust the church. I don't trust the leaders. So I think hurt is the biggest issue we have in church. And it's interesting you say that because that was, yeah, that was one of my, my high on the list things because you had made a comment and I'm not going to give away the book at all, but there was a comment about women being, um, like you said, all in for the church, but often being the ones who get hurt most by the church. And it made me, it made me like think, well, you know, what was my position as far as that? And how, how even a conference would be around church hurt? Cause it's a big and real thing. I laugh with one, like I, I know many people who are still very hurt by the church, when I got hurt by the church, I said it felt like I'd actually broken up with a long-term boyfriend. It was the craziest feeling I'd had where you really do question decisions, choices, everything. Right. Um, and I never, I was fortunate, and I will stress this because this isn't the case for a lot of people. I was fortunate. I never, I never doubted God in my hurt. I never doubted my relationship with God and my hurt. But my relationship with church people got real thin. Um, I think that would be a great conference topic. I just don't know. It would, it, a lot of toes will get hurt. You have to be very vulnerable as yeah. a person who's a leader in the church to say, I've hurt people. Or I've that. seen the church hurt people. And you have to be sure in yourself to be able to say, yes, the church did hurt me. Because a lot of times we brush it off. Uh -huh. Either you're, you're really angry and everybody knows it, or you silently, like the new thing after the pandemic was the silent quit. You silently quit the church. Uh -huh. 
you don't tell anybody you were hurt. You just, what you're not going to do is go anymore, though. You're not going to let them do it again. So it would be, I think that would be a great church topic and a great conference topic. I, um, that would be a power. Heck, that would be like a series that would have to go on all year long just to deal yeah, with all to deal with the different kinds of hurt, the things that have happened. Um, I can say I've never heard I've, the conferences I've gone to. We've never dealt with it, right? And the crazy part is, is that a lot of our conferences, whether it be men or women, uh, a lot of our conferences, even youth. A lot of our conferences are headed headed up by our leaders. You know, these these are our leaders, people who we trust. And they say, you know, God's giving me a vision. He's giving me a word. You know, and we all we hear it all the time, especially around New Year. This is the word for the season. This is the word for the new year. And we tailor the conference around that. It's going to take for our leaders to be real with ourselves. And I put myself in this category. Leaders have to be real with ourselves to say, hey, we are hurting people, whether we know it or not. And we have to be able to address this hurt. And you got to be tough enough to be able to hear that you've hurt someone. Because a lot of times we want to brush it off. Not this church. Not at this. We, we ain't done that at this church. And the truth of the matter is what I've heard from men and women, a lot of leaders hurt people from the pulpit and they never say anything. A lot of people have been offended from a hard nose preaching, hallelujah, jump shout, everybody running around the church. And if you pay attention for a hot two seconds, everybody ain't shouting. Yeah. Somebody is deeply hurt and offended about what majority of us shout about. And we think something wrong with them because they don't dance, but they're hurt and they'll never say anything. Like you say, they will quietly get up respectfully because we've always taught to be respectful in the church we'll shake pastor's hand we'll put our offering in and never come back yeah you're right i um it's one of my the former church i used to go to um good church one of their books that we all would read was um it has something to do with offense being a choice and um that there would always be offenses and you you had to choose whether you wanted to be offended by it or not. And I agreed with that until I got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> to be very real, until I got hurt, it made perfect sense. Um, but seriously, um, with that, with the problem with that, the balance that is missing in that, is you should still have a desire not to be offensive. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's not. But to be mindful of the communication that you have. And when you're not, it's okay to apologize. I actually, as a woman, I, I appreciate a, an apology so much more. Um, because it means you looked at me and you saw me and you recognized you. And you were able to say, okay, I see where this went wrong. And even Absolutely. if we're not agreeing on the the final statement, and that's where, heck, that's a whole life story right there of where even if we don't agree on the subject or the topic, we can agree on the communication and how we're going to deal with each other. And that's where I think a lot of, of misunderstandings come into play. Um, when it comes to the conversations at church and when the person said X, Y, and Z, and then I felt this way. And it's like, you, your response can't be, well, that's what God said to me. It can't be. <laughs> it, just, it, 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 it just don't go over too well often. Right. Um, as far as hurts, because I'm sitting here thinking, when we say hurt, so do you have an example of hurt? Because it, it seems vague. Like, oh, wow. it seems vague because there's so many, and I don't want anybody's business, of course. I just, mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, for example, what hurt me um, was the conversation at church where it appeared that my church became more political mm -hmm. than it was um, faithful. 
And when that was addressed, it was it was not nice. <laughs> it was it, it was an Instagram TikTok conversation. I was like, time out, wait. This right. is not how leaders communicate with people who are telling you that your stance, we follow you, but your stance has hurt me. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the big hurts that I've heard a lot of people deal with, especially with the pandemic, with um that with mask or not mask and things like that. A lot of people got hurt by decisions that were made, not because of the decision, but because of the communication behind it. Right. So for you as a pastor, some hurts that you recognize or right. So uh, there's so many. Uh, right. One that really stands out to me, uh, and I say it jokingly all the time, I say, you know, we have a church full of people who are on their last leg, you know, and, and I say that jokingly, but uh, it's it's very serious thing. I'm going to, I'm going to stretch and say all of our members have had this conversation in their household. If this church don't work, I'm never going back. If this one don't work out, I'm never. I'm just gonna stay home. I'm just, you know, I'm gonna do my own thing, my own relationship with God. I'm never going to another gathering assembly again. And a lot of times, the people that that I particularly deal with in our congregation, uh, it's been everything from manipulation of money. Mm-hmm. Okay, putting your personal business in your sermon putting everybody else's personal business in your sermon, judging, uh, leaders judging uh, the congregation, talking down to our youth, not acknowledging um, the next generation of leadership, pretty much running them off. So, you know, hey, if you're running off the next generation of leadership, when you gone, what we supposed to do? You spoke, you touched on last time we talked, and that's such a great thing. I never even thought about that being a hurt, but I can see, I get it when you say it that way. What are we going to do if they go? We're not going to be here forever. So, what kind of legacy are we creating? That's correct. You know, we have uh, leaders, and, and most of the times, you know, your leader is an elder. You know, your leader is, is far older, and we, we often think older means wiser, and it's not always true. You know, we have a lot of older saints who have been set in their ways for a very long time. And they fail to realize that, you know, the world is changing. We know God never changes. We know the word of God never changes. But how we minister, how we witness, sometimes you got to tweak it a little bit. You know, that doesn't mean that you're outside the will of God. But there has to be a, a strategy in place to reach a certain group of people. That is why we have more than one minister. That is why we have, you know, everything from uh, your bishop, apostles, your pastor, your deacons, your mothers. And, you know, that's why we have this slew of leaders, because everybody's meant to reach someone different. I never thought about that. I like that. And I never I've never thought about the dynamics in that way. Um, so there's almost like there's a line set up for the hurt. Um to treat, like you said, with the church mother, um, with the different people who can relate to, you all don't have to have the same, you have the same God, but not necessarily the same strategy when it comes to your community and your church. Talking with teens might be different than talking to seniors. Mm-hmm. So that is good. Um, yeah, we could probably be on the hurt all night long. So I'm gonna come off of hurt because it makes me think of so <laughs> many things because I want, I know the value of church. I struggled with the value of church, um, but I'm learning the value constantly of church and of fellowship and of being around people who can catch you when you fall and who you can catch where you learn your strengths. Um, So I say all that to say, I'm going to go to self-esteem now. (laughs) That was the other (laughs) That's what stood out to me. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me in the book. 
And you said it's, I never thought about it this way. In your book, you say self-esteem boils down to this. Can you find enough qualities about you that you like to encourage yourself? That is outstanding. We're going to make a t-shirt. Gonna put on a t-shirt. You should. And you could write it all <laughs> sleeve and then around the back. Because I promise you, by the time they're done reading, they'll be like, I get it. A lot of people think I think that self-esteem might be, oh, I don't think I'm pretty. Oh, I don't think I'm and you go down this whole O path of O and O and O. And it really is finding qualities in you that you like. Yes. Keyword here is self, right? Yeah. So you know, we we love we love scripture and we love to preach real good. David had to encourage himself, right? But David had a whole army around him. And you mean can nobody lift David up? I don't think it was intentional that they couldn't. But right. sometimes you just gotta look in the mirror and say, Look, I got this. You know, God would not woke me up this morning if I didn't have it. If he if he didn't intend for me to make it. I wouldn't be here right now. And sometimes you just got to look at yourself and say, you know what? I can't preach like so-and-so, but I got it. You know, I don't, I don't sing like such and such, but I got it, man. I don't, I don't even drive as good as half these folks, but, but I got it. God got me. So, so I got it. And, you know, I tell people all the time, it's okay to brag on yourself. You know, you, you, you're not cocky. You, you, you're not hurting nobody's feelings. Sometimes you just got to brag about you. It's some good stuff about you. And if you ain't going to tell it, who going to tell it? And that's it. And that's what you said. You said, what are you building? And you're right. Um, it's funny. I have three favorite songs. One is Daisy's the OG, OJ story. The other one is the gambler. And the third is encourage yourself. Um, those songs have nothing genre-wise to do with each other at all. Right. But each one motivates me in a different way. And Encourage Yourself is so such a powerful song. Um, because there will be days. And heck, like you said, David, there were days where you have to talk yourself out of the hurt. To go back to hurt and to come into self-esteem, you have to talk yourself out of the hurt. You have to motivate yourself. You have to evaluate you so that you can move forward. Because sometimes the sorry is not going to come. But mm -hmm. God gave you a task to do. So, I, um, and the older I get, the more important I see at how we need to instill that in our children. Growing up as when they're young building their self-esteem and teaching them how to be confident in themselves and how to encourage themselves. Because usually children and heck grown women and some men look for approval. Yes, and absolutely. Yeah. You're not going to always get it. So self-esteem is so big. Um, and another thing that I agree, if I ever do a women's conference, I think I might have to have self-esteem. Like, that's going to be the whole topic. <laughs> That'll be it right there. And yes, you'll be invited. Yes, please invite me. <laughs> I'm on it. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, and then you wrote, I saw, I just glanced at something because one of the things was, because I'm a single mom and I've always heard the cliche in one of your chapters, you you nailed it, where it says a single mom cannot raise a man or a son. I was like, but I don't understand because that happens all the time. I mean, I, I understand the background maze, the, the point maybe you're trying to make. Mm -hmm. But the reality is it happens all the time. Right. And I'm going to always fight against that because, you know, it's it's... I don't know where some, some of these things come from, but sometimes it's said and people just run with it. Like, yeah, that's right. Amen. You know, but you know, reality is, you know, especially in our community, a lot of our men were raised by their mothers, grandmothers, auntie them, you know, there mm -hmm. were not a lot of men around, you know? So I'm the first to, you know, like, okay, well, that's a cute saying, but I grew up in a house with all women. And so I learned, and this is a big thing I talk to men about, you know, I learned how to treat a woman from a woman. 
you know, there was no man to tell me, look, when you go out on a date, this is what you do. This is what you say. This is how you talk to her. There, there were no men for me. I learned how to treat and deal with women from women, which I think was the best thing ever. Who better to tell you about a woman than another woman? That's just how I feel. Everybody might not agree with that. But, you know, nine times out of ten, men give us wrong information. I got my hand up. We all give bad information. What is what you do when you talk to a woman? And it'd be all wrong. <laughs> loud and wrong. I say it'd be loud and wrong. Because we be so common like we know. And you just loud and wrong. But I grew up in a house full of women who taught me how to deal with a woman, uh, speak to a woman, uh, re receive correction from a woman. Because I got a lot of correcting because I was bad. I was real bad. I got a lot of correction <laughs> going on. You know, so I learned how to be a man from a woman. And I, yeah, I don't, I never understand. I, I understand it, but I don't, I don't appreciate it. I guess I can't think of the right words to say to make it sound like I don't believe that. <laughs> That's what basically the words come out to be. Um, and it's not to take away from necessity from a, for a man to be in the household at all. Um, no. I always say men bring the adventure, um, in real, I, I love the dynamics of, um, a husband and wife and their children because to, you learn things from both sides. It's just that simple, but you, we have been put in situations where it is what it is and I will do my very best and I will try my best to surround with mentors, um, that can also do the man side too. Um, but even still, I do. I appreciated you putting that in there. What was the other thing? There's so many. There's so many juicy topics in this. And you said the word corrected. When I tell you my toes got so stepped on, I don't. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> sure. You want a husband, but not correction. a pastor. You, we can you, talk you, about correction because correction is needed in so many levels. It's, it's a lot of adults that need some correction going on. So cor correction is is really nothing more than being willing to listen. You know, that that's an everyday lesson for, for me, and I hope it is for a lot of people. But a lot of times uh, when correction comes, it's usually something we don't want to be corrected on. It's usually something we're setting our ways about. It's usually something we've been doing for years and it's just right to us. So when mm -hmm. somebody says, no, that's not how it's supposed to be done. Well, what do you mean? This is how I've <laughs> always done it. Don't tell me because I, I know what like I've me. been doing. <laughs> and we're more, we're quickly to defend what we've been doing. But if we're slow enough to hear why the person's saying it's wrong, you, you might gain some knowledge. You might you might get a different point of view because, again, we've been doing it so long, it's almost second nature. You don't know to do anything else because nothing else has ever been presented. So correction is nothing more than a person being willing to listen, hear, well, you know, I never thought about it like that. How many times have we been corrected Scripture-based, if we're going to stay with church for a minute, scripturally-based, how many times have we been corrected because we thought the Scripture said this and we've been shouting about it all our lives and you're not going to tell me nothing different. But when I listened, oh, I never thought, I never thought about it like that. When it was actually broken down, well, you know, there is some Greek and Hebrew here that gives some context to what we're talking about. Oh, okay, well. That's different, <laughs> you know. So, you know, I, I was speaking about me like, hey, I've been corrected by a woman so many times growing up, you know. So now in adulthood, I find a lot of, if we're talking relationships, a lot of relationships, the friction is because women don't like to be corrected by men and men definitely do not like to be corrected by their woman. And because we've been taught for so long that the man is the head and he's in control and everything flows through him, men still got to listen because she ain't just your woman. She your help 
mate, come on here, preacher. And she can't I help you me. if you won't listen. I feel good about that. You, she's you, trying you to help. <laughs> she's in her role. She's doing her God-given role, which is to help, but you can't hear or receive help. Therefore, you've taken your woman out of her role. I feel good about that right there. I feel good. Somebody passed this collection plate. Yes, yes, sir. And now it's so weird because I, one, I love that you, you just changed my mind about the word correction. My attitude towards correction was negative, meaning that it just felt negative. But you mm -hmm. just said it means to sit and listen. Right. That, that right there, because it's, it's, it's women too. I would hate to be like, preach, preacher. And then be like, women are all right. We don't do nothing wrong. But uh, yeah, I do a lot wrong. Um, and I will be caught up rebuke. in my energy. Yeah, I will get caught up in my energy and in my head. And I, I, will, I will be right before I am wrong. <laughs> no, same as we, we hear the word rebuke. You know, we often hear the word rebuke and it automatically takes us to a hard, you know, correction a hard no a hard you're doing this wrong you're doing this wrong no rebuke literally means in definition to correct in other words help somebody who's doing something wrong and put them on the right path so when we hear you've been rebuked we automatically feel oh man you got towed up in church man they done told they done talked about you they done ran you out of church no they don't ran rebuke, you out of church you can't even rebuke means to help you we see something that's not quite right, and I'm trying to give instruction to help. So rebuke is not a bad word, but it just feels bad. It seems bad because of the way we've heard it for so many years. Yeah, that was good, sir. <laughs> What's the name of your church again, sir? Abundant Life Ministries. That's Bestman City, North Carolina. 9 a.m. service. We be out early, too, so you can get home, watch the game, and all that good stuff. Excellent. I, let me tell you, <laughs> you, you quickly changed my perspective, which, which is what it's all about, the communication part and the listening part. I was like, listening with an open mind. Listening with a... And I have to believe in a marriage and in a relationship, that person is your safe space. So we really do have to practice. If that's going to be your safe space, where you can tell them whatever you feel, you also need to be able to listen. Mm -hmm. And that listen and receive it and process it. So word. Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give away all of your book. I want you to say the name of your book again. Banned from the Women's Conference. And where can they get this wonderful book? It is available on Amazon. It is available um, in digital as well as paperback on Amazon. It ain't even that expensive, too. So you can go ahead and get it. It's a great gift. I give all my books out as gifts. So anybody know me and your birthday, come around, holiday, stuff like that. You're getting the book, whether you want it or not. You're getting the book. <laughs> so, you know, it's available on Amazon. And it's a great read, great gift for you or whoever. It's just a great read, period. And I don't want to sell you, because you said you have a second book. That is correct. I do not want to sell that book short at all. Please tell me the name. The next book is the, it's called Assassins, which is actually a urban fiction novel. So it's not so much along the lines of, of, of self Self-help is more entertainment, more, more, uh, you know, something just to, you know, take your mind off the everyday life. It's very action-packed. Great read also, I might say. I happen to know the author very well. But it is a really great book. And so it's, you know, it's more of an urban fiction novel. Excellent, Assassins. And also on Amazon? That is correct. Also available on Amazon. Awesome. You know what? I was almost about to go to the end, but this part was so important and I made it big and circled it. Okay. The definition of a provider. Go. <laughs> we ain't gonna get no offering on this topic right here. Everybody gonna walk out. They not, gonna walk they're, out. Not, they're not because you already just we discussed. <laughs> what was the word? <laughs> and and we're listening. 
So we're ready. We we receiving this. Bring it. All right. The definition of the word provider. I actually gave an example, which is what all provoked this particular topic. Uh, a provider that we have known for years, our definition of what a provider is or does, usually, usually revolves around a person doing with one or two things, finance or their physical presence. So when we think provider, nine times out of 10, we think men, we think husband, we think father, uh, big brother, we think, you know, uncle, someone big, strong, masculine figure. And we think of them as a person. Uh, I like to use the example like Hercules, like somebody who can just take on the world with no problem. It's it's easy for them. This is what they do. Mm -hmm. But that's our usual definition of a provider. Well, what if a provider wasn't like a Hercules figure. Well, what if a provider was someone who provided uh, emotional stability? Okay. Right. We talked about being hurt. We talked about uh, self-esteem. You know, what if, you know, you don't need a Hercules in your life? What, what if, what if I just need a shoulder to cry on? Well, where are you going to get that shoulder from? Someone has to provide. Oh, that felt good right there. The shoulder <laughs> for you to lean on for you to cry on right because i'm sure we can find women everywhere that say you know what you know my 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 man my husband my my guy friend you know he's just not a good consoler he just you know he he's too masculine you know he ain't soft at all he he don't have no soft side he don't have no emotional side so when i be ready to break down and i need that emotional support he ain't got that part but he got this other part he can pay bills you know, if somebody say something slick to me in Walmart, he'll beat up the whole store. But <laughs> when I need when I need something a little little softer, a little tender, you know, can he be that? In most cases, you know, we find ourselves because men think this way too, that we just gotta be macho and masculine all the time. And we don't really know how to be providers. So we have to really evaluate the definition of what a provider is in the book. You read the book, you'll hear this, this wonderful example of a girlfriend of mine who gave this this uh, long uh, storyline that, hey, you know, if a man does this, he's a provider. If he doesn't do this, he's not a provider. And then that just made me think, like, but he's doing something, right? Because he is your man, right? right? So if, he, if he, he wasn't doing nothing, like, I would, I would hope, you know, he wouldn't be your man, but he's your man, so he's doing something and you're receiving something you're accepting something from he's he's providing something right you're getting something out of this maybe he can do better maybe he can grow and and, you know here we go back to like with somebody maybe maybe you can teach him and he need to listen and he need to you know come along with some things but he is providing and what a lot of people don't realize is that that definition that we have of this masculine figure that just takes on everything, you know, being masculine ain't good all the time. Sometimes you just got to be a little softer. Sometimes you don't need to be loud. Sometimes you don't need to be boastful. Sometimes you just need to shut up and just be there. How many women say, say this all the time? I, I just need his presence. I just need to know that you're there. Okay. I just need to know that you're there for me. Right? So that don't that don't require me to say a lot. That don't require me to do a lot. But so you talked about safe space. She just needs me to be there. And that can work both ways. That can work for men and women. Right? What, what if I don't need my woman to be loud right now? I just need you to be there. What if I don't need you to, you know, run down this honey-do list and, and 50 million things that I didn't do right or that, that I'm getting wrong and you always doing this. You, you know, at, at some point, I just need you to be there. You know, I think you and whoever gets to listen to this is about to hear some good relationship information. Um, because that's what I think we need to hear that it's okay. But the key to that is to listen 
don't be like me and assume that every word is a harsh word. <laughs> so some words are used in a harsh manner and they have been abused in that manner, but they are really not meant to be harsh. They are, are meant to be, I don't know, educational, understanding, communication words that will hopefully lead all of us um, with a healthy relationship with God, healthy relationship with ourselves, and then at that point, that's when we get to have a healthy relationship with others. So, TJ, I always thoroughly enjoy talking to you. I always leave with like extra knowledge that I didn't even know I was going to get. <laughs> no, we're ready for the conference now. We're ready. We got to find us a conference <laughs> to go to. Yeah, look at me. Okay, maybe I'll rethink my conference thing and just like but and they'll be like well what do you want on there i want her i want her on the topic right <laughs> we'll write down the topics and then we'll get the speakers instead of writing the topics around the speakers we get boom mm -hmm. they can be like where did you come from this, this is not how we do things around here <laughs> well there was a fella in decimal <laughs> we need to do some stuff different so, sir, as always, I thank you for your time. Please um, make sure that I get your information so that I can share this information with others. Go ahead. Is there contact information for you um, that you want to put out there? Absolutely. Uh, if you're a social media person, uh, I am on all platforms uh, under Minister T Breeze, uh, MTB Minister T Breeze. That's my uh, Christian hip hop tag name. Uh, also, TJ Austin. Uh, you can always find any and everything that I'm a part of under Two Miracles Entertainment. It's also available on all social media. Uh, if you want to contact me, Two Miracles ENT at gmail.com would be the best way to get in contact with me. Excellent. Well, I would like to thank everyone for listening. And I hope that you all share this wonderful knowledge. Um, sit down and listen to somebody. You might be surprised what you learn. Thank you, guys. Bye.